crazy to follow us, wouldn't they? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampus Lair podcast. This is our fifth episode of Star Wars Lessons, and I am so happy, so thrilled to introduce our special guest for this week's show, Savannah Odit from the Dorky Diva Show. Savannah, welcome to the Wampus Lair. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I have been so excited about having you on for so long. Um, our, our mutual friend, Jim Capron, also known as Jim Urso, uh, is has been raving about you for years. And uh, when I had him on for the Star Wars Lessons segment a while back, he's like, you got to get Savannah. I was like, I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, I love Jim. Jim, if you're listening to this, I miss you, dude. You're great. <laughs> He, he's one of a kind. He's one of a kind for sure. Um, yeah. But uh, so this particular segment kind of fell to the back burner for, for a little while um, because things happened. Uh, the last episode, unfortunately, wasn't able to happen on schedule. And then you just kind of push forward and, 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 and move on with, with where you're at with a podcast. And it's, you know, I don't know if you ever have this uh, happen with you, Savannah, but um, sometimes when you're trying to schedule a guest, it can get so difficult so fast because you're just trying to oh, navigate yeah. a new schedule. Like Jason and I, we always know Tuesday night we sit down and do this. So it's easy. But like when you're inviting someone else in, they might not be free on a Tuesday night. You know what I mean? So that's exactly why Brian and I don't have a ton of guests on our podcast because I am so spur of the moment. Like if I have a free couple hours on a random day, I'll be like, Brian, do you want to record? And he'll be like, sure, I'm free. And so it's difficult to like schedule out shows when you don't know if you're going to be available and then you have to work around a third person schedule. So yeah, I totally get that. Um, and yeah, our solution to that is just to not have guests on the show. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty much what we've come down to as well. Like on the, on the just regular scheduled shows, it's just, it's just too darn hard usually to get, to get a guest. And I have, a, I have a few, uh, like close friends who, um, have pretty open schedules that I can occasionally get on. But other than that, and to be fair, talking about, you know, our friend, Jim, Jim is pretty great. Whenever I have like a, uh, like, Oh my gosh, I really want to talk about this new thing that just came out. And I know Jim will also really like it. I'll shoot him a text and be like, Jim, can you jump on And nine times out of 10? He's like, yeah, definitely. I'm like, this is great. <laughs> so Oh, that's nice. That's um, nice. Yeah, Brian and I usually record like really early in the day because I'm um, on the West Coast and he's on the East Coast and he works at night. So usually by the time I'm ready to get going in the morning, he's like waking up and getting his day started, even though it might be like closer to noon in Florida. But it just works out for us. Um, and I know for a lot of people, they might not be ready to go like first thing in the morning. So it's just a lot easier to record with two people, especially when you know their schedule pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. It, Jason and I deal with the same thing because we're, I'm on the East Coast and he's in Arizona. So, I mean, mm. usually we're, it, depending on daylight savings, because Arizona doesn't do it, um, we're either, you know, wait, or, wait, what? Yeah. Arizona doesn't do daylight savings? No, it's, and I, oh, I love that they don't. It's just, it's so confusing. So we're either two hours apart or three hours apart, depending on the time of year. So, I think I'm going to move to Arizona now. I know. I love that that you don't do it. So that's but, awesome. Good for them. <laughs> I, 
But um, anyway, we're not here to talk about uh, how we podcast. We're here to talk about um, a Star Wars lesson. And you picked this particular moment from Empire Strikes Back during the asteroid field chase where we get one of the most famous lines ever from Han Solo, never tell me the odds. So I'm curious, you know, what is it about this particular moment, this particular quote that really resonates with you? Yeah, this was really difficult to choose when you said, oh, you can pick a scene or you can pick a quote, just like something that inspires you. And I was like, man, what is that thing for me? And then I realized my life motto for the last few years has been never tell me the odds. And that is a lesson and like a mantra that I've carried with me because I feel like no matter what is going on, you might feel like the odds are stacked against you, whether it be with work or school or with like friendships. And I've just used never tell me the odds to kind of like boost up my self-confidence when I feel a little insecure. So I I have a few like scenarios that I've definitely used this quote in my life for. And I remember one of the very first things was... When I was 15 years old, turning 16, um, no, not not 15, I was 17 turning 18, sorry about that, I decided to build my very first costume to be in the 501st Legion. And I'm not in the 501st anymore, but at the time, it was like a big deal for me to finally turn 18 and to be able to join and to be able to wear my own costume that I made. And I decided that I wanted to build a Shadow Scout costume. And... At the time, um, I just, I wasn't very experienced with working with armor. I hadn't really painted a lot of things before, but I was very determined to do this project and do it right. And I discovered pretty soon after starting the project that a lot of the armor kits out there were made for men that are like around six feet tall, you know, mm. built pretty strong. And I'm over here, a very small five, two woman. <laughs> um, and a lot of the armor pieces that I had purchased, they were way too big for me. And I posted about it online and I was like, oh, I'm going to have to do so much more work on this. And there was this guy that was in my area. He was in my 501st squad and he was like, oh, you're not going to be able to do that. You know, you're you're a girl. You're not going to be able to make that look realistic on you. And that fired me up. Mm. <laughs> that like ticked yeah. me off so much. And that's really when I was just like, oh, I'll show you. Like, just you wait. <laughs> and so I worked on it for a few months. And I ended up having to recut and heat up and like reshape all of the pieces on the costume, except for my helmet. Thankfully, my helmet didn't look too bobbleheady. But everything else had to be custom fit just for me. And by the end of it, like not to toot my own horn, but it did look very scaled to my body type and to my height. So I was really proud of how it turned out. And a lot of the people on the um, costuming approval board, the CRL team, they were like, wow, you did a really great job at making this look um, proportionate to you. And I was like, thank you so much. And I I saw that guy at an event after I finished my costume and I just eyeballed him like, huh, huh, who was wrong about that? Um, and that's how petty I am. So that was one of the first times where I really 
thought of that quote and I was like, never tell me the odds. Don't tell me what I can and can't do. I can do anything that I put my mind to. Um, and I've carried that through so many scenarios in my life, but that was definitely the first one. And then it just continued from there. Wow. I, that's an, uh, no wonder you did that fantastic piece of the armorer because you are the armorer. <laughs> <laughs> that one, that piece was actually illustrated by Alyssa Bradley. She's an amazing artist. I cannot even draw a stick figure. Um, but I really related to the armorer in the Mandalorian and I was like, she is so cool. Like, yeah, I definitely feel similar to her. So that was a, a really neat character. Um, that was introduced to us. But, you know, ever since then, I've been making costumes for other people and helping people with their armored builds. And um, when I was in college, I I moved from Central Florida to Jacksonville, Florida, which is the northern part of Florida. And I joined a new 501st squad there. And at the time, um, I kind of became like the person to call when people were building their armor and had an issue because I could always figure out like how to fix it or how to size it for them. And it was really cool to be known as that person. Um, so my my simple lesson when I was like 17 or 18 turned into something that helped me, you know, years down the road. And I was able to kind of like help other people with their costume builds. But um I think that quote is just so great because in Empire Strikes Back, um, when C-3PO says, and I'm going to do this in my horrible C-3PO impression, sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Like, Han Solo could have said anything back to that, like, shut up, droid, or, or, you know, be quiet, or stop bothering me. But the quote, never tell me the odds, is just like so Han Solo, so cool and unexpected, I think. That's just verbiage that you wouldn't really hear in any other movie, I think, or from any other character, really. So I I definitely think it's one of those mantras that can apply to a lot of different things. And... um Later on in my life, like after college, I graduated and um, worked for a company for about a year. And then I I actually got laid off from my job. And I was like, man, what am I going to do now? Where is this going to take me? What's next? And I ended up starting my own business. And I had that little voice in the back of my head that was like, you can't do this. This is going to fail. You don't know what you're doing. But my other little voice, my little Han Solo shoulder angel was like, never tell me the odds. And that has stuck with me through the last few years. And now I've been running my business for three years and it's been growing every single year. So it's cool to see how um, just that little like positive encouragement that you can give yourself uh, can really get you through the day and get you through a lot of tough moments in life. Um, And I feel like there are a lot of moments in Star Wars that really do that for me. But that specific quote is just something that is really important in my life. Wow. So that's just like, congrats on your business. That's so cool. Um, and, and what a risk <laughs> like to just be yeah. like, All right, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to do this now. I'm going to just start a business. Cause that's easy to do. Um, yeah. like, that's incredible. 
Um, and I'm also just jealous that you have a Han Solo angel. I really want that. Um, so. I, you know, anyone can have one. You just have to channel okay. your inner Han Solo. <laughs> it's it's so interesting. The um, the other weekend, uh, there was like a Star Wars marathon on TV, and I was watching it with my partner, and she goes. Uh, you know, why do you like Han Solo so much? And I was like, you know, that's a great question. And um, I said, when I was a kid, I mainly just loved him because he was the cool character. Um, yeah. He was independent. He was cocky and confident. Um, none of the things that I was as a child. <laughs> and uh, mm -hmm. and I said, you know, now as an adult, like the actually the movie Solo really has given me a lot of depth to why I love his character. Um, but I think at the end of the day, what still really works for me about him and, and, and is encapsulated in that line is he's he is just this predominantly confident character. He is he is at a place where Luke takes three movies to get and Han's already there in the first movie. I mean, granted it's 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 two different journeys and you know obviously Han's you know confidence borders on cocky, which can be a bit annoying yeah. and, and a bit <laughs> yeah. uh, abrasive. But at the same time I think what and, and especially in a moment like this I feel like the way he exclaims never tell me the odds to 3PO isn't it like you I, I love the way you put it. it is it is a very Han Solo thing it is just cool but I think it's just kind of this innate response of his is just like I can do this you know I mean, I mean yeah. going going back to Force Awakens right when Ray and Finn are getting ready in the Falcon to, to leave Jakku they're both getting prepped and saying I can do this I can do this you know it's yeah. like they have to yeah. psych themselves up but for some reason Han just has this really deep innate confidence and in what he's capable of um and i find that so aspirational uh because confidence yeah, is something i find that it's very aspirational i th i think i think this confidence from him comes from having such a tough upbringing and like having such a tough life when he was younger that it's almost forced him to be confident in himself because who else is going to be yeah oh, that yeah and and like I just like that just blows my mind because it's he didn't have the affirmation that usually young people need to get to that place of confidence. He just chose it and really mm -hmm. believes it. And and I felt like that was really fleshed out throughout the movie of Solo is is just he's so ardent about and so earnest about uh, being able to be free of this, you know, kind of imprisoning lifestyle um, and and really thinks that he's capable of, of doing that. Um, and, and, and here, you know, I, the asteroid field scene is, is, is just, you know, your quintessential amazing star Wars <laughs> chase scene. Um, but you know, you, talk about a stressful situation, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> um, you know, mountains of rocks just flying at you. And what does Han do? He just kind of channels into this deep part of himself that knows he's capable of, of getting around this and getting through this, um, and I was tr before we hopped on this morning. I was trying so hard to find this video clip of Dave Filoni, and I, I I could not find it. But Dave Filoni talks about how he believes that you know innate pilots like folks like Han Solo essentially channel the Force. And while they may not be Jedi, it, when they're kind of just acting out of this innate place of their talent, they are essentially channeling the Force. Um, and I, I really like mm -hmm. that because, you know, I, I don't think Han is a particularly like strong in the force type character. But I think that in a way he does channel into the force in a similar way to Chirrut. You know, Chirrut has this tremendous faith um, in the force. Han has tremendous faith in his own capabilities. Um, and I just I, I love that about his character.
Me too. It's one of those things where you know he's like internally panicking, but on the outside he's <laughs> he's keeping his composure and keeping his composure through telling everybody to like chill out and let him do his thing, you know? And I just, I mean, I kind of relate to that. Sometimes I'm panicking on the inside and I'm like, okay, but I'm not going to show it. I'm not going to show anybody that I'm freaking out. Um, I always loved Han Solo when I was a kid and I, I never f- knew if it was because I loved Harrison Ford or if it was because I actually loved the character. Cause I grew up watching Star Wars and Indiana Jones and obviously he's the star, you know, or a, you know, one of the stars of both of those movies. And I've always enjoyed uh, both Han Solo and Indiana Jones. And I feel like their characters are very similar in a lot of ways. But when it comes to Han Solo, I did realize when I was older, kind of what his character meant to me. And I agree with you with your note about how Solo, the movie, really brings so much to his backstory. And you understand like who hurt him and why and what happened and and why he doesn't really trust people and why it's difficult for him to get close to people. Um, but at the end of the day, I just love him because he, he seems so flamboyantly cocky and selfish. Um, but he did come back and destroy, you know, he helped Luke destroy the Death Star and he came back and helped his friend. So... I think that's really important and it was super difficult for me when The Force Awakens came out and he ended up getting killed off. That was like that was gut-wrenching for me when I saw that for the first time and it's still like really upsetting when I watch it, but I just think his character is so unique and he he's not your quintessential good guy. He has a lot of different facets to his character. Um but I think that cockiness and that internal confidence that he has to exude to convince everybody that he knows what he's doing is something that we can all relate to. Like half the time I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing in life, but I'm going to act like I know what I'm doing to convince (laughs) everybody around me that I'm trustworthy and capable. And I think that's like totally a Han Solo thing. He puts on a, he puts on a good show to make everybody think that he knows what he's doing. And I mean, that's just adulting 101, right? (laughs) Fake it till you make it, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think there are just so many ways that you can apply Never Tell Me the Odds to your life. And uh, another example of when I've used that was a year and a half ago or over a year and a half ago at this point, um, my co-host Brian and I, we decided that we wanted to make an audio drama. We had talked about it casually before and when the Dooku Jedi Lost audio drama came out, it kind of made us circle back to the conversation. And we were like, we would like to make one of these. We could do this, right? Like, this can't be that hard. And Brian sat down for like a few weeks and he wrote an amazing script. He wrote the script in a few days, but he really fine-tuned it over the course of a few weeks. And I read the script and I was like, okay, we've got to do this. And we had no idea what we were doing. Like I've worked in video production, but I've never been an audio engineer. Brian is an actor, but he had not really done a lot of voiceover at the time. Uh, And we decided to cast everybody in the story. So Brian had to audition for it, even though, you know, we wanted him to play the character. We ended up auditioning a few people and he got the role. Um, 
but it was one of those situations where in the first like six months of us producing this audio drama, we realized that we had no idea what we were doing, <laughs> but we were still going to commit to doing it. And here we are. We're just like a couple of days away from it coming out. And we've worked with a lot of really great people on this story. And we have um, another amazing writer. His name is Victor. He helped Brian kind of shape the story and really dive into the backstories of these characters. And we have a really great sound designer, Christina. She's been putting the whole thing together and uh, making all the sounds that you're going to hear in the audio drama. But my role has really just been to like oversee the project and make sure things are on the right timeline and, and, you know, be there if anybody has any questions and to sort of approve everything. But it's just crazy. Like when we started it, it sounded so fun and we were really excited about doing it. And then as we got into it, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if we can do this. Like, I don't think we're 100% capable of doing this on our own. And that's when we realized that we needed to bring other people on board that had skills we didn't really have at the time. Um, but over the last year and a half, it's made me realize that, you know, we put our heads, you know, to this project and we really wanted to do it. So we committed to it. And again, it's one of those things where it's like, well, never tell me the odds. I might not know what I'm doing, but I'll figure it out along the way. Um so I'm really excited for that story to come out in a couple days and for everybody to see like how hard we worked on it because we truly started with absolutely nothing and Brian has created these really great like fully fleshed out characters and a really great story um and it's going to be neat to be able to hear everything when it's finalized and be like oh I remember the day I read this script and I remember the day we talked about doing this project but we had no idea what we were doing and somehow it all worked out and it actually happened and we didn't give up on it. That's amazing. That's so freaking cool. <laughs> um, I'm so excited for it. Can, can I ask this, just a general, uh, what the radio drama is about? Yeah. So it's about, um, there's a crew of, um, they're not smugglers, they're professional deliverers. <laughs> and um, they all UPS. travel in a ship called the Zolan Dart. And the Zolan Dart is captained by Navsana Otoa. She's a Nautilin. And her co-pilot her co is Reldar Sias. He's a human. And they have a droid named Murphy. So the story is about their travels in the galaxy and how they're trying to really keep their integrity and live by their own moral code um, when they're kind of in a risky business. So um, that's like the general premise of the story. They get into some entanglements, we'll say. Um, but the audio drama is going to be about an hour long. So it's like a feature length story. And there's we have a cast of 30 different people. Actually, I think we have more than 30 people at this point. Um, but it's it's a very large story. We go to a lot of different places. We meet a lot of different crazy people. Um, but the main crew of, of Navsana, Reldar, and Murphy, they're so fun. And I think people are really just going to love their characters. That's so freaking cool. I also love the name Murphy for a droid. That's great. <laughs> right? I Brian named a lot of the characters in the audio drama, um, and he actually used uh, names from people that we knew and kind of like scrambled up their names as a dedication <laughs> to them. Obviously, Navsana is just Savannah mixed yeah. around. Um, and then Reldar is a nod to one of our really great friends, Daryl. Uh, and we actually have a character in there named, uh, it's like a nod to Jim, 
so I'm excited for him to hear that and like hear that character's story. Uh, but Murphy was a request from me. I don't know why, but I'm a, I'm just obsessed with that name. <laughs> and I always thought if I could name a dog, like I would name my dog Murphy. Yep. So um, I told Brian, I was like, the droid's going to be Murphy. And he was like, what? And I was like, it's, it's going to be Murphy. And he was like, well, maybe we should put like some you know, numbers in there to kind of make it sound more like a Star Wars droid. I was like, no, no, no. His name is Murphy. Like that's, <laughs> that's his name. <laughs> so that was a, that was a special request that I made. And he is just such a precious little boy and he has a big sense of humor. So I like him a lot. Uh, that's so, that is just so cool. Um, I can't wait to listen. Um, yeah, I'm excited for you to hear it. I'm really excited for everybody to hear it because it's just, it's it's even better than I could have ever imagined, honestly, because Christina, our sound designer, she's just been so incredible. And the, I haven't heard the whole thing yet. I've only heard scenes and I've heard all of the voiceover without the sound effects all finalized. Um, but I've heard the first scene finished. And when you listen to it, it's literally going to sound like you're just watching a movie, but you have your eyes closed. Like it's extremely detailed. Um, a lot of people keep calling it an audiobook, but it's it's really not an audiobook because it's there's so much more to it. Um, audiobooks usually just have like the characters talking and maybe a little bit of sound effects here and there, but this is going to be a lot more fleshed out and it's going to have a lot more um, like audio elements to it. So it's it's going to be pretty cool. That's oh, I'm I can't wait. I'm the Star Wars radio dramas themselves are some of my favorite uh, incarnations of Star Wars. Um, mm-hmm. So and and Jedi Lost was just like a really cool wake up call to to fandom of like this is a lost art and we could probably get back into it. And I know there's the Doctor Aphra radio show. I've still not listened to that one, um, and I really want to. Um, I'm not. I don't really follow the comics, so I don't know a ton about Doctor Aphra, but. I just really want to support them doing radio shows and radio dramas because uh, I think it's a lost art that works really well for Star Wars. So that's so cool that that is uh, what you chose to do with your creative energies. Yeah, it's I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I, I don't follow the comics, so I haven't listened to the Afro one either, but I do want to listen to it to, again, like support that kind of project. Um, but I mean, we started this in the summer of 2019. So well before the pandemic was happening, but it really turned out to be the perfect project for us to work on during the pandemic because everything could be recorded remotely. Um, when we first started, thankfully our, our main trio of characters, they all actually live in the same area. So a lot of the scenes, they started to record together in person in 2019 and later on when they had to go back and record extra dialogue and stuff, uh, they could have, they could just do it remotely. And we have a lot of, uh, other voice actors and actresses that are in other countries. We have quite a few people from the UK. So we were able to record remotely with them. And, uh, like I said, Brian is in Florida. I'm in Washington state. And then our sound designer is in California. And we were all able to work together, uh, spread out out across the country. So it'll be interesting to see if like, uh, you know, Lucasfilm ends up doing more Star Wars audio drama similar to the Dooku one and the Afra one, because right now, I mean, it's, there's so many hoops you have to jump through with live action 
and, you know, animation you can do from home, but I'm sure there's a lot more elements to kind of figure out when you're working remotely with that process. But the audio drama format is just something that's really accessible right now. And uh, you can do completely over, you know, like Skype or, or whatever program you decide to use, you can do it virtually. So it really worked out in our favor. I'm so glad we did not decide to do like a, you know, a short film or anything that needed to be recorded in person because that would have been a lot more difficult once the uh, lockdown started happening. So it definitely worked out in our favor and it's just really fun. Like we, we podcast together all the time, but there are things that we, we like and we dislike in Star Wars and it was really cool to make a story um, and this is all like kudos to Brian because he wrote all of the characters and he wrote the story. But it's really cool to create something that you feel really good about and it's something that you want to see. Um, so it might not be a story that everybody's interested in, but it's something that we wanted to see. And we were like, huh, OK, well, we'll just make it <laughs> and like <laughs> then we can enjoy it. So it's been a it's been a lot of work. And uh, we've we generally have a very small team working on it. So it's going to be something that I'm going to be very proud of when it's all done because it really, really defied the odds here uh, putting this together. I, it's, again, I just, I can't wait to see, to, to hear it. Um, I love radio drama so much. Um, and this is just such a cool project and, and it's so original, <laughs> you know I mean? You're yeah. Creating a story yourselves, creating characters yourselves. Um, and, you know, and, and I appreciate that distinction between this and a, you know, an audio book, because there is a big difference. You know, if you listen to Jedi Lost and then you listen to like a Star Wars audio book, there is a noticeable difference. Like, I will say right. the audio books have really gotten a bit more engaging. I think the fact that they do use some music, they do use some sound effects here and there, but it's not a radio drama. Like, there's a big difference. Um, so I think it's so cool that you've gone that route. And um yeah. Wow. No one can tell you the odds. I mean, they can, but I you know. don't care. So yeah, you just say whatever. It's fine. I'm just going to keep doing my thing. It's, it's going to be really fun. We have, um, we have a narrator that is just introducing the story and she'll also be reading like the credits, but as far as the meat of the story, there's no narration. So it's all, um, dialogue from our characters and you'll understand like scene changes and whatnot through the sound effects. So uh, that's why I really like to emphasize that it's an audio drama and not an audio book because, uh, you know, an audio book usually has a lot of verbal cues of narration along the way. So this is going to be pretty different, but that's also a huge challenge that we had to face when we were doing it. Like, Oh, do we want to have footsteps when people are wa walking? Do we not want to have footsteps? Cause once you start that, you have to do it through the whole thing. And there are like so many little things you have to think about. Like when people are walking through a door, you have to have a sound effect of a door. Cause you're not going to be saying like, Oh, and now Navsana is walking into this building. It's like, no, you have to hear it. So it was pretty interesting to figure out all the little things that we needed to express through sound effects in order to get, the message across when people are moving in different places. So that was, uh, that was really cool, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just so excited for it to come out. It's been a very large project. And, uh, if anybody is interested in hearing it, it's just going to be on the dorky diva show podcast feed. Uh, and it's just going to be released in one long episode. So you don't have to wait on any pieces of it to be released. It'll be all released at one time. 
That's great. Um, it, we'll sure, certainly be sure to share it here and, and boost it as yeah. best we can. But um, I, I, I feel like you're going to – I just – I'm – really excited and hope that people respond well and it continues to inspire others um, both in fandom and even hopefully in um, you know even in the Lucasfilm creative group to to do more projects like this um, yeah me too I feel like we were very lucky to kind of have the world of Star Wars to base this story off of and all of our characters are completely original. We don't reference anybody in the audio drama that actually exists in canon. Uh, but there are a lot of like little Easter eggs and uh, like the ship models and the species that you come across and different things like that are going to be somewhat recognizable. So that was really cool. But we created all of our own planets and uh, different characters. So you're not going to be interacting with anybody like Han Solo or... Um, you know, anybody that you would know from the movies or the the franchise itself. So it's going to be really neat to just like plug our story into the world of Star Wars. It's obviously not canon, but um, it very well could fit in the storyline and makes you wonder what other things are happening in the galaxy that you're not seeing. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just really fun. Well, I can't wait. <laughs> that is really, really cool. Uh, something Jason and I always talk about because uh, over the years we'll at the end of episodes like play an episode of the you know the radio dramas from you know back in the 80s and something mm-hmm. we've always just kind of would love to see created is radio dramas for the prequel trilogy um, oh my gosh yes yeah and I, I just think <laughs> I think it'd be kind of easy to get the the Clone Wars voice actors to do their parts um, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't mean to speak for them. I sound like I know these people, but you know, I feel like if somebody <laughs> could wrote like a good script, I mean, I, it'd have to be official at this point. Cause I know things are a little bit more of a tight ship at Lucasfilm. Um, so I don't think it could be like a fan created thing and then the voice actors could do it. But if, if someone at Lucasfilm in the story group kind of wrote those scripts, I, I could totally see, uh, you know, the Clone Wars cast taking on those roles. Um, and I think it'd be, it'd, I mean, I, I've always said this about the the original radio dramas. They really have enhanced my appreciation, specifically for A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. The Return of the Jedi drama was okay. Like, not bad, but it wasn't quite as good as the other two. And I really feel like the uh, a prequel radio drama could really uh, just deepen folks' already love and appreciation for the prequels. And it'd be cool at some point to even get them for the sequel trilogy. Um Yeah, that would be amazing. I, I'm really ready for Star Wars to start doing things that are a little detached from canon and to, you know, create stories that might fit into different gaps within the, the film franchise, but they don't necessarily have to like follow all of the rules. And I would just, I need a story between episodes one and two of just like, what, what is Anakin doing? What is Obi-Wan doing? You know, I need to know what Satine is up to. Like, can we get some more backstory on her, please? There are just so many characters that are introduced in the Clone Wars, and I want to know what they were doing before the Clone Wars. So it would be really neat for those types of stories to be told through an audio drama. And I mean, there's so many great books coming out, so many comics coming out, but this is another great medium to tell those stories um, in a really fun way without investing all the money into like an animated series or a TV show or live action movie. Um, it's a lot more budget friendly and less of a risk to take yeah. when you're not 
spending a ton of money. So it would be really neat to see um, Lucasfilm do more of them for sure. Oh, that would be so cool. I, yeah, I'd love a story about uh, pre-Attack of the Clones, Anakin and Obi-Wan. Um, and it, it'd right? even be, I know I know you're um, very close with Ashley Eckstein. Um, it'd be so yeah. neat to, to hear her do... Uh, pre-Clone Wars Ahsoka radio drama, maybe how Plo Koon oh finds gosh. her, right? She obviously has a very close relationship with Plo Koon. It'd be neat to see a little adventure of them pre-Clone Wars together before she meets Anakin. Um, that uh, would be amazing. I would love that so much. <laughs> and I feel like she's Ashley always seems to be very game to to step into that that role that she created and, and, and really owned. Um, oh, so, yeah, for but, sure. Uh, um. Wow, that's just like great stuff, and 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 I I really appreciate the kind of the the personal stories you share to really flesh out uh, this simple line from Han Solo, but it really does go so long. Um, and something I was thinking about right before we hopped on today was uh, one of my favorite parts of Phantom Menace is at the beginning when Qui Gon is melting the door, the blast shield door, to get to New <laughs> Gunray, and they yell, "This is impossible." Uh, to me, like that's <laughs> that's kind of the embodiment of a Jedi, right? Is to to make the impossible possible. And for any of you who might be reading the the Light of the Jedi High Republic novel, that that theme comes up a lot in that book, and I really love it. And to me, this is this is kind of Han Solo's interpretation and an in, incarnation of that reality within Star Wars of of things that seem impossible can be made possible when you. Um, I mean, yes, for a Jedi, if you trust in the force, but I think for any character, regardless of their force connection, is that ability to really believe in what you're capable of. And I think that's who Han Solo is, is he is that reminder to all of us that uh, you have skills, you have talents, you have gifts, trust in them, really rely on them because you can accomplish great things when you do. Yeah, I think it's always important to to remember that, like, it's okay to fail and failure is like the best teacher. So when I take my, you know, never tell me the odds mantra into my real life situations, it's not something that is always going to turn out perfectly. It might not be something that I'm always proud of, you know, when the end result happens. But even if it goes wrong, I've learned something from it. It was worth taking the risk. Uh, I'll probably be a lot better at it next time. Uh, but that quote alone is just such a great motivator to like get up and do something or, you know, just if you've ever been really yearning to do something, take that risk and believe in yourself. And if anybody says that you can't do it, just tell them, oh, never tell me the odds and then show them and then give them a snarky little face next time you see them in person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man, I do that too often. <laughs> You know, good for you though. You know, when when folks are <laughs> are, are spitting limitations at you, let them know yeah. that those limitations are BS. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's always nice to prove people wrong in those situations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, was there anything? I, I don't want to. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to to bring up around that quote? Around and any other stories or examples you wanted to share? Um, I think those were like the main three. I, it, but it really is something that is applicable in literally everything I do. I mean, like last week for work, I had a situation come up with a client and I had to sort of 
renegotiate some some terms within our contract. And I decided to take a pretty big risk and ask for more things that I wanted from them. And in my head, I was like, you're asking for too much. You're asking for too much. Um, and then I stopped myself and I was like, no, if this is what you want, ask for it. You know, never tell me the odds. And I ended up going through with what I wanted and they had no issues with it. And we moved forward and signed the contract and it was like not a big deal. So I think it's just always important to remind yourself that, you know, sometimes you can get into your own head and really limit yourself from what you're capable of doing. And you have to constantly remind yourself that you can do whatever you want. Nobody can stop you. And as long as you really work hard at whatever your goal is, like you can achieve it. Um, And like I said, it might not be easy. You might not win at everything. There's going to be failures along the way, but you really have to be like your, your own number one fan and just ignore like the haters and the people that are telling you that you can't do something. So that's truly a message that I have taken into every life scenario that I have these days. And I mean, I could sit here and share stories for like three days straight, but um, (laughs) it's something that I have used in like interpersonal relationships. I've used it in business practice. I've used it on my like passion projects um, just everything. It somehow fits into every situation that I've come across where I feel a little like insecure. And that quote gives me the extra boost of confidence that I need to like keep moving forward. I, I think I, I, that has always been a line that I've just liked as a Han Solo line. Cause it's cool. It's, it's cocky. It's confident, but you mm-hmm. really just helped me to understand it so much more beautifully, more deeply that it isn't just that it's so much more. <laughs> it, yeah. it, it is that, but it's also all of this, um, you know, this, this nice little mantra of specifically when you're kind of running up to an obstacle or running into what seems to be an insurmountable odd, it's important to remind yourself that, uh, the, those are just numbers. Those are just obstacles and they are not insurmountable. They are not immovable. Um, so I really appreciate you helping me better love this part of Han Solo <laughs> and what he has to say. And more than that, I really love the stories that you yourself have, have shared and, and um, really fleshed out the reality of this, not just, not just in the world of Star Wars, but more specifically in your own story and in your own life and, and the power of that, that truth. So thank you so much for that. Thank you for for inviting me to share that stuff too. I think that's one of the best things about star Wars is that everybody that watches or like consumes a piece of star Wars content, they always bring their own life experience to the table. And we all might take different things out of that um, story that we've just heard or seen. And it's really neat to see how people have applied those lessons in their own lives. And I mean, there are so many different Star Wars characters that have taught me lessons, but that's one that has that stuck with me the most. And it's really cool to see like my love for Han Solo as a child grow into how I can use his words to like keep me motivated as an adult. So it's neat that for so many years of my life, I've been able to like relate to this character and use those lessons um, as I get older. I love that. And I, I think that's how Star Wars is the gift that does keep on giving. There's the things you fell in love with when you were young and you first found Star Wars. And it's neat to see how those things 
change with you. They grow with you. Um, they mean different things at 25 than they did at 15 or so on and so forth. It's going to mean something different when you hear that line. Uh, when you're on the playground trying to, I don't know, <laughs> skip three monkey bars at a time or something, as opposed to start your own business. <laughs> so, yeah, um, it's, it all comes full circle. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, well, again, thank you so much for, for making the time and taking the time to, to be on the show and not just be on the show, but sh- share such a rich story. And um, I, I just... I, Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I'm so happy that we we could have you on. Um, but before I let you go, I really would love for you to share how folks can uh, stay in touch with your own show, your own projects. Uh, something I love to obviously, you've seen it on on Twitter. I love to take pictures of when I'm having mm-hmm. my morning coffee. Uh, my my buddy Greg bought me a, a one of the mugs that you designed, the prequel defense. Uh, network or prequel defense force excuse me uh it's my favorite mug to drink coffee from especially when i'm drinking star or reading star wars or prepping star wars podcast stuff um so i know you've you you have a great store of really creative items so how can folks stay in touch with all of these wonderful things that you that you bring to the star wars community well, thank you so much for having me on. This was really great. Uh, if people want to follow along with what I'm doing, my handle on pretty much all social media is the Dorky Diva, and my blog is thedorkydiva.com. And on my blog, you can find pretty much everything that I do. So I have links to the Dorky Diva Show podcast, which is a Star Wars podcast that I do with my friend Brian. Uh, Brian and I disagree on everything. So our <laughs> podcast is a really fun place for us to have friendly debates and to disagree on things. The one thing that we do have in common is that we love the prequels. So we did a series a few summers ago where we just talked about the prequels. Uh, We went movie by movie and we ended up having to split the episodes into two parts because we were just talking about it for so long. But anyways, we love the prequels. We're big supporters of uh, prequels and uh, the audio drama, like I said, will be available on the Dorky Diva Show podcast feed. And then I do have a shop that is linked at the top of my blog as well. Um, my shop is currently closed. Just I took a little break during the holidays to kind of, you know, rest from that and think about some new products that I want to release. So I think the shop will be opening probably in early February. Uh, but when it does reopen, uh, like you mentioned, I have a prequel defense force design that you can get on t-shirts and mugs. And I have a whole bunch of really cool stuff coming soon. So that's just like a really random side project that I started to do uh, last year because I was uh, like, well, I have ideas for T-shirts and nobody is making these. So I might as well just make them. (laughs) So I partner with uh, a few different artists that bring my ideas to life because I can't draw. um, And they've just been so fantastic to work with. So uh, you can definitely check all of their work out. Um, They're all linked in my shop as well. Um, I think that's it. But yeah, the dorkydiva.com is just like the hub for everything. So you can find everything that I do there. Well, thank you so much. I, I also can't wait for this radio drama that comes out very soon. Uh, I, I can't wait to just sit down and listen and we'll be sure to, to share that with everyone who listens to us. If you don't have, if you have not checked out the dorky diva show, I highly recommend it. It's incredible. And it is great to have folks, who can be such close, good friends and mutually disagree and still bring something to the conversation. So I I think what you and Brian offer to Star Wars is 
not only very necessary and needed, but also quite, quite lovely. Um, a nice reminder that there is a diversity of experience. So it creates for a diversity of, um, of opinions about these stories, but you can, you have those debates in all the right ways. (laughs) So thank you. um, So I feel like our podcast is just a wild, crazy time. Like we just sit down with no plan. We come up with a topic and we just hash it out and it's just really enjoyable to do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, I, I'm glad that you do it because it's, it's just wonderful work. Um, so, so again, thank you for being on the show. Um, and thank you everyone for listening to this fifth episode of star Wars lessons here in the Wampas lair. Um, we will, we plan to be back again next month with another one of these episodes. We'll be back next week with our, uh, um, review of the Light of the Jedi uh, High Republic novel. So really excited to have that conversation next week. And just as a, a, a reminder, uh, we'll be posting this on social media early next week, but uh, our next matchup for you is we want you to tell us which of these two kind of epic scenes you prefer between the Darth Vader slaughter at the end of Rogue One or the Luke Skywalker slaughter at the end of Mandalorian. So you will see that on our social media early next week and you just get to vote on which one you thought was more epic. Um, So on behalf of Savannah, I am Carl. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Wampus Lair podcast and we will be back with you next week. Thank you.